Hey, listen, turn around and take your Bibles. Don't sit down, just turn around. <laughs> Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. Mm. I'm going to look at a narrative of Scripture today as we explore that narrative. That This narrative of Scripture may be familiar to some of you. I've preached this story in the story of the life of Christ. I've preached this passage of Scripture, maybe not necessarily this exact passage of Scripture, but I've preached this story from another gospel writer's perspective. The story is Jesus feeding the 5,000, but today I want to look at it from Luke's perspective. I've never preached it from Luke's perspective, but Luke identifies some things that I think we need to take note of. And the more that I began to study this passage of Scripture, I realized that I had never preached it from the position of the disciples. I had always preached this from the position of the miracle, the position of Jesus, but never from the position of the disciples. So today I want to preach this passage from their position because I believe we can relate to where they are in the story. Hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, there is a word from the Lord in the house today. Look at your other neighbor and announce to them the theme for Epicenter Church for 2017. It's your turn. It's your turn. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's your turn. So before I actually begin in the narrative in Luke chapter 9, I need to digress some and take you back to a passage of Scripture that we briefly broached last week in Joshua chapter 1. So just hold your finger there. Flip with me to Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, we, we engaged this concept, if you will, that I want to pick up on today as our topic of conversation. But before I read Joshua chapter 1 and the few verses that we will look at I need you to you're gonna to get to know your neighbor today I need you to look at your neighbor and announce to them the subject matter of our conversation and that is this the power is in the pattern the power is in the pattern look at somebody else the power is in the pattern if you're reading it off the screens, it says the power of the pattern. The power of the pattern. The pattern. The pattern that you live by determines the destination that you arrive at. The pattern that you live by, that you establish in your life, determines the product of your life. The pattern that you allow to be established in your life determines the outcome of your life. Good Lord have mercy. The pattern. You see, last week we talked about living on point with the plan of God, but sometimes it's impossible to live on point in the plan of God because of the pattern that we practice. Oh, there's a lot of peas right there. Let me read to you Joshua chapter 1. I want you to see this. Joshua chapter 1. Let me get there. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, where are you at? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Joshua, where are you at? Come on, Joshua. Here we go. Right here's Joshua. Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. Joshua. Verse, let's pick it up in verse 2. It says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is the Lord talking to Joshua. Now then you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, then, you. It's another way of saying it's your turn. 
It's another way of the Lord saying to Joshua, Joshua, Moses is dead. I established a pattern in Moses' life, but now I'm, a tri- I'm trying to establish a new pattern in your life. I'm trying to move you into something new, and I'm trying to establish the pattern in your life. How long are you going to mourn the death of Moses? Are you going to continue to stay in the residence of mourning? Because you need to remember that every single morning, my mercies are new. Good Lord, have mercy. Somebody needs to hear this because the place that you are is a direct result of the pattern that you have established. Your broken relationships are a direct result of the pattern. Your messed up finances are the direct result of a pattern. Your messed up career is a direct result of a pattern. Oh, somebody needs to hear this. Some of you, the place that you are in, you're blaming what happened to you 10 years ago. No, no, no. You need to stop blaming what happened to you 10 years ago and realize that the reason why you are where you are is because of a pattern that you established because of what happened to you 10 years ago. Good Lord have mercy. So Joshua, Moses is dead. How long are you going to mourn? Then he goes on to say, you and all of these people need to get ready. Cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them. Verse 3, though, verse 3, man, this is the promise that we want to live by. This is the product of our lives. Verse 3, look what he says. This is what we want spoken over our lives. He says, I will give you, circle that, that will preach, (laughs) That's the verse of scripture that we want to have in our lives. God, give me. I will give to you every single place where you set your foot. Oh, Lord, I'll give you everywhere that you place your foot. I'll give it to you. I'll give you. God, that's the verse that we want declared and proclaimed over our lives. However, there is a definitive pattern that follows verse 3 that we need to begin to adhere to. Look at verses 4 and following. It says, your territory, uh uh-oh, hold on, your territory, he just said, I'm going to give you everywhere that you place your feet. But then he tells Joshua, this is where I want you to place your feet, inside of this territory. Mm. He says, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all of the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hold on a second. This is where I want to pick up. This is the concept that we left off with last week. You see, this is the point of frustration in our faith walk. We all want to live, verse 3, God, give me, give me. I will give to you everywhere you place your feet. God, that's what I want. That's what I want over my life. life. And God, I I don't understand why you're not giving me everywhere I place my feet. I place my feet here, but I don't seem to have the blessing, God, that you pronounced over Joshua. I don't seem to have it in my life. Could it be that the reason why you're not receiving Joshua chapter 1, verse 3 in your life is because you're not living Joshua chapter 1, verses 4 and 5? Let me be a little more simplistic. Could it be that the reason why you're not receiving Joshua chapter 3 is because you have placed your feet in an area that God never ordained for you to place your feet in? Hello. Could it be that the destination of your life has very little to do with where God told you to step? Mm. So then God says to Joshua, that's what I'm going to give to you. But this is the pattern that I need you to live by. Look at verses 6 and following. 
He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. I love that. Then it goes on to say, verse 8, keep this law. This book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be able to be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hold on a second. He's giving Paul, he's giving Joshua the pattern. He says, if you'll live by verses 6 through 9, you'll know exactly where to step. If you live by verses 6 through 9, you can experience the promise of verse 3. What he is saying to us is that if you want to experience the power of his promise, you must first make sure that you live the pattern of his word. It's impossible to experience the power of his promise without first having the pattern of his word in your heart. That's why he says, do not let the law, the book of the law, do not let, do not sway from it to the right or to the left. Make sure that it's always on your lips. Make sure that you meditate on it day and night so that the pattern will be established in your life. Why? Because the pattern determines your destination. The pattern is the engine behind your life. Hmm. You can't experience the promise without first living the pattern. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Just be seated. Don't even high-five anybody. Just be seated. So now let me take you to Luke chapter 9. I want to show you something because there is great symbolism in Luke's story, rendition of this story. There are parallels between Joshua chapter 1. And here's why, because in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord is telling Joshua to go, to step. In, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is telling the disciples to go or to step. He, he's establishing a pattern in their lives, and I need you to see this. Joshua or Luke chapter 9 verse 1 says this, When Jesus had called the twelve together, the twelve disciples, he gave them, mm, Hold on a second. He gave them. Somebody circle that. He gave them. When he called the 12 together, he gave them. He gave them. He gave them. I, I see the graciousness of God. This verse will preach. He gave to them. I see the graciousness of Christ. He gave to them. It reminds me of what the Lord told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. I will give to you. It reminds me of what the Bible says that every good gift comes from above. It reminds me of what the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It reminds me that we serve a generous God. It reminds me that God gave us identity in that we are children of God. God, that he gave us hope, that he gave us help. Good Lord, can I preach my way through this narrative today? That he gave us refuge, that he gave us salvation, that he gave us a second chance, that he gave us forgiveness, and he gave the disciples power and authority to complete the task that he's about to ask them to do. And the task is this. It says he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He gave to them power and authority 
to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. He gave to them power and authority. Hold on a second. Power and authority. He gave to them power. There is a purpose for the power. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a purpose for the power. There's a purpose for the power. There's a purpose for the power. Hold on a second. There's a purpose for the power. And that verse is applicable to the disciples and also to us. Why? Because his word, the Bible says, shall not return void, but it will accomplish the very thing that it is sent to do. He gave to us a power. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same powerful spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Oh, there's a purpose for the power. However, here's the dynamic that becomes difficult for us to adhere to. Gary, and that is this. Some of us only tap into a part of the power that God has given us. And because we only tap into part of the power that God has given us, our life is about survival rather than success. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> mm. You remember he, saw, he said to Joshua, so that your life will be prosperous and successful. <laughs> Some of us, our lives are about survival rather than success because we think the problem is power. The problem is not power. The problem is we are not living by the right pattern. Hello? It's not that you don't have enough power to do what God has called you to do. The problem is you have not established the right pattern. Everybody say pattern. Thank you, D. The right pattern. Can I teach here for a moment? Here is Jesus sending the disciples on a revival journey. He's delegating his job description, if you will, to the 12 disciples. He's telling them to go and to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news, to do what I have done. And at the moment that he tells the disciples to go and do what he has been doing, he has been showing them the pattern, if you will, for about two and a half years. This is around two and a half years into the ministry of Christ. So for two and a half years, they've witnessed the love of Christ. For two and a half years, they've seen the pattern of Christ. For two and a half years, they've witnessed how he's restored people, how he's healed people, how he's set people free. They've seen the pattern of how he lives by the word of God. They've seen the pattern. Hmm. Now he's delegating the power and authority. But you need to understand this principle is alive and well for us today because the Bible says whom he calls, he also equips. <laughs> and what you need to understand is that you cannot experience and live by the power that he wants to give you until first the pattern of his word is in your heart. And Luke is trying to tell us in a roundabout way that failure in our lives many times is a result of the wrong pattern. You see... Moses taught Joshua a pattern for 40 years in the desert. Moses taught Joshua how to live by the book of the law for 40 years in the desert. The Bible tells us that Joshua followed Moses all over the desert, watched him when he was communing with God so that he could figure out what was happening, so that he would have an intimate relationship with God. And that's why the Bible says make sure that the law does not depart from your mouth in a wrong way. Make sure you stay the right, to, not to the left, not to the right, but make sure you stay right in the middle of 
God's word because that's where the promise ends up coming from. That's where the power to accomplish the promise comes from. And you've got to have that as the pattern of your life. I think about Jesus for three and a half years. He shows the disciples the pattern. How to live, how to function, how to live according to God's word. It's the pattern. But the problem is, now here's where I need you to hear me. The problem is many of you are looking for some behavioral modification. But God is not as concerned with some situational modification as he is with heart transformation. You're looking for the power for situational modification without having the pattern of God's word in your heart. You see, without having the pattern of God's word in your heart, heart transformation, you'll never realize situational modification. You need to understand it. It's about developing the pattern. The word of the Lord will not get into your heart through osmosis. Just because it's on your coffee table and you walk by it every single day, it's not jumping out of there into your spirit. Just because it's beside your bed and you put your coffee on it every single morning does not mean that it's going into your coffee, then into your mouth and into your heart. This generation of people, we have more access to God's word than any other generation before us. You can read it in its traditional format. You can read it online. You can have it read to you online. You can even get an app on your phone. But just because you have an app on your phone and your phone is on your head does not mean his word is in your heart. Good God Almighty, I feel like preaching. Mm. See, God uses his word as preparation for the pattern so that you will be prepared for the power of his promise. Mm, good Lord, that's good. I don't even know if that's in your notes, but, but God uses his word as preparation for the pattern so that you'll pattern your life after his word so that you will be prepared for the power of or, or the promise of his power, the power to be more than a conqueror, the power to be an overcomer, the power to be light in a dark world, the power to live the love of Jesus Christ, the power to be a godly mom, the power to be a godly dad, the power to be a godly employee. It's all right here. Mm, Lord, can I illustrate this for you? How many of you, how many of you have like something that you're believing God for, like a, a miracle, a need? a dream that God's placed in your heart, something that you know that you need God's help with in your life. Raise your hand. Pretty much everybody in here, or at least everybody who's participating. Tim, praise the Lord. Tim, raise his hand. I wasn't calling Tim out. I was calling everybody else out. Okay, so, so that's the dream. That, that's right here. That, that's here. That's what you're believing God for. That's what you're hoping for. That, this is Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, by the way. The problem is you're way over here. Hello, 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 hello. About a week and a half ago, I saw this tweet in my timeline that I ended up retweeting. It was a tweet from uh, an NFL football player who plays 
um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. His name is Antonio Brown. And it put a word in my spirit. When I read this tweet, I retweeted it. It just goes to show that God can even use the wrong team to give you a word. Um, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come on back. <laughs> so, 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 I'm glad I got to have the microphone in right here. Um, but here was the tweet. The tweet said, if you fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> if you... If you fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. Hmm. But there was a video that accompanied this tweet, and it showed Antonio Brown establishing a pattern of preparation so that he could experience the victory right here. It was a pattern of preparation that he lived by so that he could experience the promise, if you will. But then I began to think about how do I preach to a generation of people who want to just skip the pattern and suddenly land in the promise? How do I preach to a generation of people who want to receive the promise but, but, but not the pattern of responsibility that precedes it? How do I preach to a generation of people who, who wants the recognition but not the responsibility? How do I preach to a generation of people who want to receive the promise but not willing to endure the 40 years of the pattern that was established in the desert? How do I continue to preach to a generation of people who want to do what Jesus did? They just don't want to have to have to establish a pattern of persecution. Lord have mercy. How do I preach to a generation of people who want restoration in their marriage but they don't want to establish a pattern of restoration and pattern of love prior to the victory? How do I preach? preach to a group of people who want to experience breakthrough in their finances, but they're not willing to establish this, this biblical financial principles in their lives so that they can ex receive this. How do I preach to a group of people who want to lose 50 pounds, but they're not willing to establish a pattern uh, of being on a diet and having good health, um, healthy foods? How do I preach to a group of people who hears the power of God's word on Sunday, but they're not developing the, uh, or establishing the pattern on Monday and Tuesday? and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, but they want to jump into the power and the promise of God. So how do I preach to a group of people who are not willing to establish God's word, the pattern of God's word in their heart? You see, the reason why you're way over here and the promise is way over there is because the pattern that you have established. And until you address the pattern that you have established, you will never receive the promise that he gave to you. Good God Almighty. Hmm. I think we can just close up the Bible and go on home right there. Mm, Lord. You see, we're all wanting victory. We're all wanting this. this is, we all said this is what we want. This is Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. But can I tell you something? God cannot stand up victory in your life until first you have the foundation of his pattern. Mm. 
I think about Elijah and Elisha, where Elisha went to Elijah and he said, hey, I want a double portion. I want this right here. Everything that you had, Elijah, I want this, but I want it times two. And Elijah looked at him and said, you've asked a very difficult thing. Not that it's difficult for you to receive it, but Elisha, are you willing to establish, are you willing to establish the pattern that I established in order to receive what I had? You see, we want to skip over, we want to skip over the pattern and just land in marital restoration. We want to skip over the pattern and land in financial restoration. We want to skip over the pattern and land in a healthy body. We want to skip over the pattern and land in a better career. We want to skip over the pattern that God is using to prepare us for what he has for. We want to skip over it. What I'm trying to say is you need to stop asking God for this if you're not willing to address the pattern of your heart through the power of his word. We're only in verse one of chapter nine. Y'all realize that, right? Holy Spirit, yeah. Verse 2, pick it up. Verse 2, here's what it says. It says, and he sent them. Everybody say, he sent them. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them. I want you to proclaim the goodness of God. I want you to tell people about the pattern of his word. But it's verses 3 through 5 that are somewhat intriguing for me. Verses 3 through 5 said this. He told them, take nothing for the journey. Mm, No staff which represents the occupation, no bag, (laughs) Mm. no bread, don't you take any money, don't even take an extra shirt, can we say stinky, hashtag, hashtag something, deodorant, okay, look, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town, if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them oh lord hold on a second he said take no money take no bag take no staff there is some historical and theological significance to that however i don't have time to go into it i just want to tell you what the holy spirit dropped in my lap when it comes to this verse what jesus was telling the disciples is I want you to lay everything down right here that will distract you from the pattern that I have established. Lord, have mercy. I want you to lay it all down because your power does not come from any one of those things. The power doesn't come from the staff. It doesn't come from the bag. It doesn't come from the extra shirt. Obviously, it doesn't come from from the food. It doesn't come from any of those things. The power does not come from your finances. The power does not come from your success. The power does not come from your career. The power does not come from your marriage. The power does not come from your 401k. The power does not come from any of those things. It doesn't come from any of those things. And what he's saying is, I want you to let go of all of those things so that you realize that you are have to be dependent upon me. You have to trust in me because that's not where your power comes from because if you think your power comes from any one of these things when these things don't work out when these things begin to fail when your relationship fails you won't know what to do when your marriage fails you won't know what to do when your career fails you won't know what to do when your finances fail you won't know what to do when you're unsuccessful you won't know what to do the power does not come from this but here's how jesus works the power does not come from your from your marriage but jesus can show up in a powerful way in your marriage the power does not come from your career but jesus can show up in a powerful way in your career the power does not come from your money but jesus can show up in a powerful way in your money good lord have mercy what i'm trying to say is this your power does not come from your position but god will use your position to display his power 
Heavens, that ought to get an amen. That ought to get an old me. Wow. Somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to hear this. This is prophetic for someone in this place. Your faith walk. Your faith walk. And band, I'm going to go ahead and tell you to start moving to get into place. Your faith walk is up and down, up and down, up and down. There's highs and there's lows. There's highs and there's lows. And the reason why there are highs and lows is because the circumstances in your life are beating you up. You're having victory, defeat, victory, defeat. And that's why the Bible says, that's why the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. It's our faith walk. Everybody say faith walk. So the Lord is looking for those who will say, you know what, I'm going to stay in the pattern. Regardless of what happens in life, I'm going to stay in the pattern of worshiping him. I'm going to stay in the pattern of his word, regardless of what the enemy throws at me. I'm going to stay in the pattern of his love. I'm going to stay in the pattern of his service. I'm going to stay in the pattern of his gifts. I'm going to stay in the pattern of his generosity, regardless of what happens in my life. I'm going to stay in the pattern. I'm going to be on my knees. I'm going to be calling out to the Lord. I may not fully understand everything that is happening, but I know that if I get off of this pattern, I'll never recognize what God is trying to do in my life. So I'm going to stay in the pattern. The enemy wants you to get away from the pattern. He wants you to focus on what is not happening happening in your life so that you'll get away from the very pattern that God is establishing in your life. Hmm. The pattern. He wants us to get away from, from the pattern. Ho hold on a second. The distance in between where you are and what you're believing God for, do you know what it's called? It's called your faith walk. Mm. Hold on a second. He told Joshua to walk. He told the disciples to walk. Mm. Hold on a second. The only way to close the distance in between where we are and what we're believing God for is in the pattern that we employ. That is the only way. Let me illustrate this for you. A few years ago, God put in my spirit to start an initiative um, in our church that would ultimately impact our community. We called that initiative Ways to Love Fayetteville. One day, Ways to Love Fayetteville will probably be a standalone brick and mortar building that people can go to, a resource center that will meet incredible needs in our community. Now, let me tell you something, though. So the first year, we said, let's volunteer in our community in a plethora of ways. Work with the homeless, foster care, work with PTSD, whatever God lays on our hearts, let's just, let's just help. Work with Habitat for Humanity, the Pregnancy Crisis Center, Triple A, you know, all of these different things. Um, and God let us do that. The very first year we said, let's volunteer in our community. And you know, we volunteered 1000 hours and we all came in here and we applauded God. You're so good. It's great. However, God put in my spirit that one day it, it will grow into hundreds of thousands of hours that it's not just our church doing God's work, but it is a core of churches and people in our community who see the need to gather together for a common goal to reach those who are lost. And 
So like we were way over here and we did a thousand hours. The next year it was like five thousand hours. The next year it was like fifteen thousand hours. Last year it was a little over twenty thousand hours. Mm, Lord have mercy. But remember, we're believing for hundreds of thousands of hours. It would have been easy for me when we did 1,000 hours to say, way too much. Let's get off this pattern. Let's find something else to do. But we stay in the pattern. We stay in the pattern. Listen, I don't just get up here and preach. Some of you may think, you know, I've had people say, man, you make it look easy. It ain't easy. I don't just get up here and preach on Sunday morning. Okay, God, you just drop something in my spirit right now, right now, and give it to me. No, that's not the way it happens. I, pr- I begin to pray that prayer on Sunday afternoon. After I finish today's message, I'll begin to say, okay, God, there's next week. And so I begin to work on it, prepare it, Monday, Tuesday. It's a pattern, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes major changes even Sunday morning. It's a pattern. What I'm saying is you got to stick to the pattern if you want to realize the promise. But there was something that shifted in the disciples. you got to see this. Hold on a second. Something that shifted. Look at verse 10 and following because the story begins to change. You see, the disciples, they went out and they did everything Jesus said. And so they're coming back to tell Jesus about the revivals that broke out all over the land. And watch this. So when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus... What they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethesda. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. In other words, basically they're saying to Jesus, you preached way too long and people are hungry. Send them all home because we got to eat. But look at what Jesus says. Jesus says in verse 13, you give them something to eat. Hmm, hold on a second. You give, them, you, you give them something to eat. Remember how this story started out? It started out because Jesus gave them power. And now Jesus is asking them to give of what he gave to them, give it back. Oh, that's the principle of tithing, isn't it? He said, you, I'm giving you, and now later he's asking them to give back what he first gave to, to them. Mm. But now all of a sudden there's a little stress with it. You, us give them something to eat. Evidently, Jesus has lost it. Has he looked at the sea of people? There's 20,000 people here. We don't have enough. Anxiety begins to fill the air. They're like, man, these people are going to get mad at us if we pull out that little bit of lunch. In fact, why is Jesus even telling us to give them something to eat? Does he not remember that he told us to take no food, no bag? Huh? What's wrong with Jesus? I can hear Peter telling John, oh, Lord, he's lost it. 
I can hear Peter telling John, listen, why do I want to give anyway? I don't need to give because I don't have enough to give. And, and if I broke out this few, you know, these few loaves and these couple of fish, there's not enough to feed all of these people. So I might as well not even try it. I don't need to give it anyway because the last time I tried to give something, it wasn't enough anyway. The last time I tried to love, I was burned. The last time I tried to forgive, I was crushed. The last time I tried to be involved, I, it just didn't work out. So why even try, John? Listen, why even try? Can I tell you something? Here's the principle that you need to learn. God is not asking you to give out of what you don't have. He's asking you to give out of what you do have. Mm, hold on a second. <laughs> You're not hearing me. To give out of what you do have. What I mean by that is you may not have the ability to forgive today, but you can say, God, work on my heart. Give me some heart transformation. I'm going to stay in the pattern of your word. You may not have what it takes to open up that business today, but God, I'm going to stay in the pattern of your word so that you begin to prepare me for the day that will one day come. God, I don't have the ability to give that much today because my finances are in ruins, but I'm going to stay in the pattern of your word and put you first in my finances and begin to tithe. God, I may not have what it takes today to have my marriage restored, but I got love in my heart and I'm going to stay in the pattern of your word and I'm going to place in your hand the very thing that you placed in my hand. And when I do, I know that you will do the miraculous. Good God Almighty. Mm, and all of the people wanted to give God praise up in his house. Come on, somebody. Give him crazy praise. When we place what he gave us back into his hands, he can do what we could not do with it. Stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. I'm going to wind this thing down. But hold on. You got to see something. You got to see something. They said, we don't have enough. You better send them to buy some food. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down. Oh, Lord, here we go again. Have them sit down. Not you people that were there that day. In groups of about 50, the disciples did so. And everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave. Then he gave. Then he gave. It says, then he gave. Then, then he gave. Hold on. The story started out by him saying, I give to you power and authority. It started out with Joshua. I will give you everywhere you place your feet. It says, then he gave. Hold on a second. Then he gave. He gave. You remember they gave. First he gave to them. Then he gave back to them. And then now he's giving back to them again. Mm. He gave to them to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Hold on a second. The miracle took place. The miracle took place because they, listen, Jesus had to cause them to recall the pattern. You remember I gave you power and authority. So now he said, give it back to me. Now I'm going to give it back to you. The miracle took place in the hands of the disciples. Doing what God had given them the power and authority to do. And the only reason why they were able to do what God called them to do is because they remembered the pattern that God told them to live by. Oh, Lord, have mercy. 
what I'm trying to say to you is the Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is so concerned with the transformation of your heart. What I am trying to say to you is that some of you need to get up on your feet and begin to realize that God has called you to a better pattern. God has called you to change the pattern of your life so that you can receive the power of his word. I'm going to stand in the pattern of his hope, the pattern of his love, the pattern of his help, the pattern of his refuge. Good God Almighty, I'm going to give to him because he first gave to me you see there's power in the pattern stop looking for the victory stop asking for the victory if you're not willing to allow God to establish the pattern of his word in your heart